like our next question um, by uh, Abram Gerard. Again, I apologize if I say these names incorrectly throughout the okay. questions. Um, but uh, if God knows um, that everything is going to happen, controls everything, and leaves us to decide on our free will or something along those lines, why should I pray or pay any attention to Him? If it is only for my benefit and I feel no benefit whatsoever, what stops me from stopping? Um, that's an exact quote from Abram. Okay. So that's, a, that's, that's an amazing question. And, uh, and so let me ask you a question. Imagine, you know, we just had a, a $2 billion lottery, right? We had it in Florida. It was, was one of the state's memberships, right? One of the state memberships. Yeah, yeah, it was something like that. Really yeah. huge lottery. Yeah, one of the billion dollars, all right? Uh, imagine you won the lottery, correct? It doesn't have to be two yeah. billion. It could be it could be two, twenty million dollars, right? A cheap, like a really inex a really small prize, right? You would think to yourself, "Oh my goodness, I could have any love I want. Everybody would be amazing, right?" On the flip side, you might say the opposite. You actually might never have the validity know that anybody that says they love you loves you every single time someone comes and says you look great you're so smart I have a question for you you'll always be thinking is it me or is it my money right so if we think of you know how our existence here our the fact that we're here um, so Let's take a step back. I had actually intended to do this kind of as an introduction, but I think it's a good way to, to you know, kind of explain this, this question. Because to, to, answer, you know, to answer this question about why we're doing things for God, let's understand why, how, where we are and how we have our individuality, how we have choice, all that kind of stuff. Um, if we stopped existing, would we be nothing or would we be everything? It sounds like a weird like cycle babble, right? I'm just asking. If we you, stopped like, existing, would we be nothing or everything? Well, I mean, if we mean existing by like we're not stopping to exist by we're dead, then I mean you could make the argument our I'm our consciousness is dead, but existence would cease. Would there be nothing or everything? Because nothing by our definition. Okay. And, and, and your answer is the intuitive answer. In fact, that is the premise of not just science, but also most religious perspective. Most people, when we think of the world, we think that the world was created, it is now something, right? Before it was created, there was nothing. Now, Judaism answers that question in the exact reverse. And not only that, but what, what, what's fascinating is once you hear this, you're not gonna be able to unhear it. In fact, I'm not teaching you anything new you're going to see how everything you learn in science really fits this description, this perspective, and you can look at it in other areas of life and you'll see how it, it plays itself out. So let's say, uh, don't think of pink elephants, okay? You just thought of pink elephants, right? Okay, where were those pink elephants a second ago? You didn't just draw them. They were in your head. The elephants you thought of, they were in your head. You just, they were not nothing. They were just coexisting with other things. So, for example, think of the Eiffel Tower. It's a thousand-foot steel monolith that you had in your head that was invisible, not because it wasn't there, but because every single possible thought, 
you know, feeling, emotion, everything going on in your head, they're blank because, not because they're not inside of you, but because they are coexisting. Now, if I actually decided to make it real, if I wanted to take things that are inside of me and make it happen, so I might, for example, be like, okay, I'm hungry or I'm bored, and then I'll think in my head, do I want food or do I want a snack? Then I might think, do I want something spicy or do I want something sweet? Then I might think, you know, okay, hey, let me call a friend. Hey, you want to go out for dinner? And then we'll go out and then we'll actually have a physical piece of meat in front of us. What we've done is we haven't grown things. We've made things smaller. Before I even thought if I was hungry, that hunger was together with every other feeling I have. Now I think hunger. Then I start to think, okay, do I want something sweet or spicy? I'm making it smaller. Then when I speak, I articulate it. It's just a few words to the point that when I actually have a piece of meat in front of me, only I could eat it or my friend could eat it, but we can't both eat it. We've made it so small that it becomes a tiny little experience. When Einstein says the world begins to exist, how does it come into existence? It comes into existence by small things, by time. Time is a, a minute speck that will never step on the toes of another second. It's, it's, it's now and it not, not now. And it's now and not now. Space is dividing everything into tiny little area. We all have different opinions. Mathematics are different ideas that are completely, each one is, is, is small, articulated. When, so if we take away the division, the smallness, the contraction, the, the, the little you know, experiences of life, what we have is they're all joined together. There is, there is a reality that is not real because it's compared to something else or on top of something or before something or after something or, or a joke that's your joke or my joke. If you take away all those divisions, the world stops to exist because like when we're not thinking, it's, it's there, it's real. So when we think of creation, we don't think that God built a world. Everything exists. God went and thought and then spoke and now the physical world in its minutia brings us into existence. So when you, any, every moment of time, every thought, every word is a tremendously potent articulation by the creator. It's, a, it's phenomenal how specific God has to think for something to exist. So that, that's very inspiring. It, each of us have a different knit, a different idea, a ideology from us. Each of us has a different mission, a different perspective on the world. We all that way, we're all different from each other. We're all in a different place or time. We all feel different. We all have a different purpose because of how specific God makes us. That means our specificity is phenomenal. But if I live only in the way I see the world and I ignore everyone else's, I'm living in the tiniest little prison that I can live. Right? So I'm stuck here. I, I, I only see my hunger as important. I only see my opinions as important. God created those opinions specific, different from everyone else's. Now they, they exist. I could touch them. It's amazing. But if I live and I only see those, I'm, I'm, this is incredibly tiny. So, okay, so, so, now, so now what happens? God made something so specific, so small, that's me. Now we're going back to that question. God, I'm here. Now, do I know that I'm created? I don't know I'm created. I, I don't feel it. Why? Because in that process of you know going from our hunger to that piece of meat on the table, God, through God's incredible power, was able to make us where 
I don't even, I can't even see the fact that, of where I'm coming from. Why? So this goes back to that, that lottery question. Because right now, after God made me, and God gave me a dollar, I have the ability to look at the Creator and say, you made a chaotic world. You made a divided world. I'm going to destroy that. I'm going to get rid of the division. I know the truth. I look and I know that my hunger is only created to be separate from that person. I'm going to break the division by giving a dollar to that person. And I'm going to bring the world back to the unity that it should have. So now, what, what's happening here? What, what, what's happening is, whose, whose pleasure is this? Is it my, when I take a dollar, I give it to somebody else. Is it my pleasure or is it the Creator's pleasure? The Creator, the, not a billionaire. A billionaire is nothing compared to the Creator. The, the Creator, who's all-powerful, cannot have the validity of someone saying, I love you. Except for these little creations, that's you and me, us, that God created, gave us separators, made us not even realize that we're created. And now, when I give someone a dollar, the creator's like, oh my goodness, that person doesn't know they're created. I'm, va I'm validated. They break through, the, I made them divided. They're really one. He's breaking through the divisions. He's giving his money. He's giving his time. He's smiling at somebody. He's giving, he's, he's spending time with somebody else. He's helping someone in the hospital. That's amazing. So whose pleasure is it? It's God's pleasure. But, there's a whole different level of pleasure. My niece is really into singing, and her dream came true one time. She was in Manhattan, and Celine Dion walked out of a theater into her limousine. My niece walked over to the limousine and started belting out one of her favorite songs. And Celine Dion stopped, told the limousine driver to stop, roll down her window, and listen to the song. I don't remember the comment that she made. My niece is going to kill me. I don't remember the, the comment that she said. But... Now, yeah. imagine the pleasure of knowing that your idol stopped the car to listen to you. It's God's pleasure. It's God's validity, God's fantasy. When God created a separate world and now we break through that and we help other people. But it's our dream. It's beyond the fantasy that when we do that, we're validating the creator. We give the creator his fantasy. Wait, so in his infinite power and omniscience and all that, the one thing he cannot do is give himself the validity like that we can give ourselves and others? Or So, it, with, with God's... Well, I wouldn't say he can't because we are that. We're, we're not... Like, yes, we, we, are, we are that part of it. In other words, this is, this is the greatest omniscient... Uh, whatever the word that would be. This is the greatest power and potency that the Creator has, is that the Creator could make us validate it. Can make us, in, with, the, with his separate ability, to validate it. Our separation is the Creator's greatest power. Mm -hmm. and, then, and, and then when we, we do it... That, yeah, yeah. Um, like, so is God, is God, like, benefiting it at all? Or, or is it just, like, the person who benefits from that acknowledgement? And, like, if that's the case, like, I think... Um, what what Mr. Gerard is saying is like, like maybe for example your niece, they stop the car or like a a seeming idol that maybe not everyone shares. Like for example, right. 
I don't know, Rihanna, because she's uh, doing the Super Bowl. Um, like, personally, if I saw her in the streets, I, I wouldn't make an attempt to say hi. And if she stopped her car to listen to me, I could care less. Right. Um, and with that said, like, what if other people feel that way about God? And, and like, what are your just thoughts on that? Like, like knowing that, like, it's not the idol for everyone. He's not the right. Yeah. So, so that's why, in this case, when we talk about God, there's there's two different words that people throw around equally, and it's and they're not the same thing. There's God and there's the Creator, right? God is a word we use for like the highest level of authority, and that could be if I don't believe in anything higher than the country, or I don't believe in anything higher than the policeman, I don't believe in anything higher than myself. That's God for me. When we talk about the Creator. It's not, we're not describing something that's coming to tell me what to do. We're, we're, we're describing that, you know, if I look in the mirror and I ask myself, you know, what, you know, where am I coming from? Now, um, the, 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 the scientific description of existence is that there is energy that's spinning really quickly and that's allowing mass to take shape. The, psychological example of that that the torah gives hundreds of years before einstein uh 150 years before einstein said it one of the ways it's articulated is actually i'm sorry it's articulated in the helmet is so you know over you know 15 1600 years before he said it is that um when you love something your muscles tense up right you sit up straight your muscles tense up god's love of of, of God's fantasy is what makes the world exist. So in other words, what am I, if I actually ask myself, why am I existing? Because there is a being that, that is fantasizing the possibility of me to be here and to make, make these choices. Now, I obviously could kind of ignore that. And that is always a possibility. Um, but if we're actually looking honestly, then it's important to realize that my ability to ignore the underlying, you know, true, like the, the, the hierarchy of value that's available to me. In other words, I could say I want cookies. I could say I want music. I could say I want uh, academia. Um, and, you know, maybe there that really is a choice. You know, what if I want food rather than academia? Um, even though there really is a hierarchy, there's, a, there's an absolute uh, objective hierarchy there. But, but we can't, um, but, but let's say, for example, if there's somebody dying on the street in front of me, and I'm like, listen, I'm in the middle of a sandwich, I pay a lot of money for the sandwich, I want to eat the sandwich, um, then we're not, this is not a, it's, it's not a hierarchy of choice. The a potential to throw the sandwich aside and, and do CPR is, or, or just even call 911, it's two different realm it's two different opportunities that i have and for me to be and and trust me there are we all have within us the ability to ignore this potential that we have that i could do cpr right now i'm eating a sandwich we do it all the time we ignore that those two choices all the time so when we talk about the creator um giving us potential to participate in what the world is here for and 
it's not about helping somebody else. It, this is not about, um, you know, Celine Dion or Rihanna or whatever. I think that was an, an example is because um, the day that that was in the Tanya lesson was the day that, that happened to her. So I, I, I use that in our, in our Tanya video. But it, um, it really what it is is being able to take a step back and saying, you know, what 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 makes me you know why what what's the, what, why am I here and what will fulfill my being here and you know what different things experiences can I have and which of them would be you know and, and it, we can actually maybe if you want we could uh, if you want to continue on this question I'm happy to go take like an, another angle on that um, do you feel like should we should we pursue that a little more. Um, like, like, I mean, I, I, like, I understand like the CPR example. I just like, I don't know if that necessarily translates to this question. Um, I think, like, well, it's like, yeah. I think it has to do with personal pleasure versus, you know, this, uh, higher ordeal, this moral imperative, I would say. Yeah. And I don't think it's necessarily objective, um, because I don't necessarily feel like the, the same. Um, but I, with that said, I mean, I. I do feel strained from both angles, and I can say that it's not objective. It's not as objective as choosing a sandwich or CPR. Um, I think it's it's quite complicated, and a lot of it is within yourself. Um, it's it's within yourself whether you can reach in and believe that higher power, or um, I'm not going to say succumb because it's just a personal preference and it's totally valid to to just like choose. Um, external like beliefs it doesn't even need to be a belief system um clearly he's unclear um because he's so, asking a question um but I don't, I don't think it's like clear cut and like i don't like i don't so think I, necessarily I, like, I think i think that there's a little bit of a crossover here i think that we're, we're we're trying to tackle two different things at the same time the question was when i pray is it god's pleasure or is it my pleasure or, you know, why should I do that, et cetera, et cetera. Now, there's another question, which is, do I believe that God is, 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 the idol, is, is God my idol? I think that's the problem. If, if there really is, see, the, if, if I do believe that there is a creator, see, that, I, I believe that we're, we're, we're taking two different stages and we're trying to blend them together. And perhaps that's my fault, maybe the way that I answered it. Kind of um, yeah, like, I get, like the question was just, um, like, I'm interpreting it personally as... Okay. Um, like, he, for Tefillah, um, he's heard that Tefillah is used, is used to benefit, like, the people actually praying. It, it doesn't right. benefit God, which is what I've learned personally, right. um, too. Um, and if he doesn't feel a benefit from it, right. why should he continue? Um, right. So then my answer to that. So then in order, so let's, the, the premise of the question is that there is a God. Right? And his understanding was that the person is benefiting, not God. So I would like to redirect that a little bit, and I would like to say that one of the explanations for creation is that God wants to hear our prayers. Uh huh. So it's, maybe not like, it's not necessarily like solely individual benefit. Not only is it not, but the entire existence could be explained utilizing this particular source that I'm just that I'm referencing now. The entire source of existence could be looked at as a text message from the creator to us saying, would you like to have lunch? Mm -hmm. And waiting and waiting for the response, right? Now, have you ever done that? You ever texted somebody, do you want to hang out? And then your entire body is tense and you're like, what's the answer going to be? That 
could be a description of God's creation. And every prayer that we send saying, sure, God, that's, that's the every prayer we're doing is basically validating God's dream and saying, God, you're brilliant. When I really want to meet you, God. Oh, my goodness, God, I really want to see you. That's our prayer, validating all of existence. So that's, we're not, I don't believe the question was saying, is there a God? The question, or who the idol God is, or what's the idol? The question is, when I pray, does it mean something to the Creator? And based on, um, there are many different descriptions of the Torah, from the Torah about prayer, and sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll teach somebody about one little point. So when you learn that prayer is for yourself, there is something about that. Prayer should be personal. But that is not all of what prayer is. The real, that personal prayer that you have is God's dream that when you go to sleep at night, you pause for a second and you say, God, I had a tough day. Mm-hmm. Please be with me tomorrow. And that's God's fantasy. That's why God made the world. God wants to hear, I love you. God wants to hear, I hate you. Seriously, I'm not joking. God wants to hear, I hate you, God. You know why? Because when you're meaningful to somebody and they're having a bad day and they say, I hate you, that means that they recognize your part in their life. You're valid. If someone's having a bad day and they don't say, I hate you, you're not, you're meaningless. God wants to be meaningful. God wants to be valid. So God wants to hear us say, you know, please give me money. God wants us to say, please give me a good day. Please, God, let's spend time. So I think that's the answer to his question. And we went a lot of circles to get there. Yeah. yeah, that was a very interesting answer. Like, I know for one, I didn't really think about it that way. I thought it more so we had like a moral obligation to him. And that's why 